Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. I'm Cesar Hernandez. I'm your host for today. And on the latest episode, we're going to talk about El Tri's wins in the CONCACAF Nations League, issues with Veracruz and Liga Mekis, and a potential new uh, face for Chivas uh, in the front office. But before we get in- into all that, let me introduce my co-host for tonight. Many of you know her for her work on Tu N and also in the Our Football podcast, but I know her as my fellow cat owner who's always mm-hmm. willing to discuss our feline friends. It's Adriana Terrazas. Adriana, how are you doing? I'm great. So yes, we are feline friends. We have a Facebook yeah. page. You can join us, <laughs> <laughs> share fa- like cat stories with us. <laughs> I think we have to like we have to create like another new weird long hashtag. It'll be like Liga Mekis and or it's like cats watching Liga Mekis ENG, and it's just yeah. there. You go. That's that's just another long. And then of course, if they're watching Liga like like Liga Mekis Feminine, it'll be cat hashtag cats watching. Liga Mekis Fem ENG. That's it's not yeah. too long, right? I think it's pretty easy. Yeah. That's the <laughs> point. Yeah. <laughs> now uh, we're gonna try to like get our cats like in front of a TV set just to get a picture of actual cats actually watching Liga Mex. <laughs> I might have well the thing is I do have pictures of like soccer games with my cat in front of them. And it's not like I told DJ Cuddles like, hey, jump up there. Like I didn't like push her up there. Half the time it's like, you know how cats always know when you're like paying attention to something important and they're like cool i'm gonna jump in front of that i have like a bunch of photos of dj just jumping up in front of the tv because i'm watching tv so i have a bunch of actually photos <laughs> of the... <laughs> I, I don't have any of mine watching tv because they're usually like sitting in front of the, like the refrigerator waiting for me to open and just give them like a little piece of ham or something <laughs> all right well, I, think... I, I will try though to get them to watch a league mx game just like just a bit just to get a picture from them and that's it <laughs> there you go i'll have to use a long hashtag too but uh <laughs> I think I think we've reached our, our cat quota for the pod. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, Adriana, let's uh, let's start with the big question of the podcast. So here it is. Does the CONCACAF Nations League benefit Mexico? And if so, how? And if not, why not? Um, I think it depends on how you approach the game because, I mean, let's face it, this isn't going away anytime soon, despite the fact that I don't know anybody who actually thinks it's like good for anybody else. Um, I think what Ricardo Martino did, just calling up really young players and starting to mix them up with more experienced players, I think that's the way to go. And I think that's the way you can actually take advantage of the fact that we have to play rivals who aren't the ones we would expect. I mean, we all want to play Germany and Netherlands and Spain or whatnot during the FIFA friendlies. But um, seeing as though we can't do that, and if we did, we wouldn't be calling up these younger players. Um, I think it's really wise to take advantage of those opportunities, calling players that you usually don't get to see that might have a tough, t- a tough time um, actually winning over one of the starting positions, and then just giving them minutes against these rivals and seeing if they're slowly ready for any other rival that comes along like for the World Cup qualifiers. So I guess it just depends if we do that, because I can't imagine Carlo Martino calling up like the entire squad like from European clubs and our best uh, players in Liga MX as well, and having them play Bermuda. So I think it just depends on how um, El Tri approaches um, that situation, because I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, like you said, like I don't think there's anyone out there who thinks that, like, oh, Raul Jimenez would really, really benefit if he would have you know, shown up to go play against Bermuda. You know, I don't think anybody agrees with that. But like I said, at the same time, I, I think that... And also, I, th- I think something to keep in mind, too, is that 
let's let's look at the number of matches that Mexico play per year. Like that was I, I don't I, I don't know the exact number, but I'm guessing that was match number I think it was number 15 of the mm-hmm. year. And there's still two more matches that Mexico have this year. So there are plenty of opportunities for Mexico to go with the first team players, let's say in the CONCACAF Gold Cup, or let's say going forward with, uh, let's say, World Cup qualifiers. So maybe something that the, Nations, that the Nations League can provide is opportunities for those backups, for those youngsters. Maybe games like these, yeah, it's not going to benefit uh, at all, you know, Raul Jimenez to do this. And yeah, you could say, make an argument that maybe someone like, like Mosso or Calderon or Aguirre, that they're... they're they're far above the likes of Bermuda and slightly above the likes of Panama. But at the same time, this is an opportunity for them to kind of make a case for themselves for the national mm-hmm. teams. Like you said, I think this helps the depth of El Tri, and I'm happy about that. And what I will say, too, I mean, we can get into it later, but I, I think something that people need to talk about more so, too, is that this actually helps Mexico with the FIFA rankings. You know, I was actually kind of... Oh, I was, yeah. I was, I was crunching the numbers, uh, and actually... I, I showed my girlfriend like uh, what is it like this sheet of paper. I was like crunching the numbers with a formula that like FIFA like updated, and she was like, "Yeah, this looks like some weird, beautiful mind like stuff." <laughs> I know. I was like, "Oh yeah." I, I spent like I spent like two hours. Was it yesterday? I spent like two hours like doing like just going through like weird doing things. the math. Yeah, and I, I don't know why I decided to do this with my life, but anywho, <laughs> but but it was interesting to crunch the numbers, and it was fascinating to see that. For FIFA rankings, remember, FIFA rankings are important because when it comes time for the next World Cup, that's what decide decides which pot you're going to be put into. So with the FIFA rankings, if if Mexico were to defeat, let's say, Honduras in the semis of the Nations League, so the playoffs, let's say, Mexico qualifies, that mm-hmm. win would matter more for Mexico than if they were to beat Belgium in a friendly for the FIFA rankings, which is kind of crazy That's crazy yeah yeah it's totally think, crazy to think about the significance but anyway i could we, we, we could talk about that later I've, I've like i said i spent i spent i don't know i think it must have been like two hours significant just, amount I, of time yeah <laughs> but uh <laughs> things i, do I can just fun. imagine like a piece of paper like like algebra and then solving for x and stuff like that <laughs> honestly that's what it is i don't know I'll, 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 I'll send you i'll send you the equation they that they it's like some sort of algorithm and I don't know, once again, I don't know why I did this. Like, I have too much free time out there. That's actually, that's that's the lesson here is that I have too much free time. <laughs> but, uh, and, and we're all happy you're using it to find out if a friendly, well, a Nations League game against Honduras is better than one against Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but we could get into this later. But I think the first thing that we kind of get into, I mean, let's, if we're talking about the Nations League, is we got to talk about the recent games. You know, we got to talk about Mexico beating Bermuda 5-1 to last week. Mexico beating Panama uh, three to one last night, so that's so that's two wins for El Tri and uh, one uh, bib for manager Tata Martino that he can't seem to figure out how to put on. I don't know if you saw that at all. He just couldn't figure out how to put on that bib in either, <laughs> in either game in the sidelines. But Adriana, your 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 thoughts on the recent international window for Mexico? Um, I mean, I'm I'm really happy to see lots of players. I mean, it's really interesting to see Calderon and Mosso. Um, just getting into these positions where, I mean, you usually think of El Tri and you're like, oh, yeah, you've got Hector Moreno. And then, you, I mean, you've got Chucky and you've got Herrera. And then you start seeing like these younger players. And I was actually thinking that one of the advantages um, besides it, it's kind of like forcing us to do something that I think Mexico has done wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably ever since like the 2012 Olympics. And that's just getting that those younger players sort of integrate them with the senior squad. I mean, there's like a step missing 
somehow that we we have success with the U17 level. I mean, we've been world champions twice. Um, not so with the U20 team because we usually like face a, a team from Africa or something, and those are really strong teams, and we don't get past them. Um, but that, it, there was something missing, and something that coaches have been complaining a, a lot about, and they're just saying that the U the U21 rule um, that they have to complete for Liga MX, it's just not working because it's forcing them to use players. Um, and then once they turn um, 20, they won't, I mean 21, they won't use them again because they think they're not ready. So I think it also, is, it's doing like Mexico, Mexico a favor if you look at it that way, because I mean, what other way could Gerardo Martino actually see like tons of these players? I mean, there's really yeah. tough competition. I mean, I'm not sure if he would maybe... I mean, he probably would call Antuna because he's seen him before. Right. But, I mean, if you had Macias, but you had Chucky and, and Chicharito and Raul Jimenez, you probably wouldn't see him play. I mean, you want to see Raul and you want to see Chicharito. You want the more experienced players. And this is Macias. I mean, we're all talking about Macias and how he could leave to Europe anytime soon. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's kind of forcing us to do that. I'm really happy about that because I think it's something that we've been lacking for a really long time now. And it's something that should worry us. I mean... When you look at the goalkeeping position, yeah, we're all like, oh, yeah, we could just have, like, Gudinho maybe or Cota. But it's the, it's not something, like, really – that we're really strong about. It's not, like, real, like an easy, um, like, answer. So I'm, I'm glad that Martino is kind of starting to look into these kinds of problems and saying, hey, we, we might need another goalkeeper because, I don't know, maybe Gudinho isn't, the, like, the solution. It's not as, as strong as I, I'd like him to be. I, was, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's wise. Um, seeing as though we still have um, a couple more years until the World Cup. So we have all this time for him to actually get to know all these players. Yeah, I think the way he's dealt with it and the way that the Federation has dealt with it is actually quite clever. Because, yeah, because obviously it would be more ideal if Mexico had their best players going up against good, let's say, good South American teams, going up against good European teams. I mean, not saying that Mexico would have scheduled a friendly against France, but, you know, it would, it, would, it would be nice to see Mexico using these international windows to go up against strong opposition, but that's just not going to happen. Mexico's taken part in the CONCACAF Nations League going forward. So instead of bringing in a lot of those high-caliber players, they brought in a, a lot of those young backup guys. You know, And like you said, too, like it would be difficult like, like before the Nations League existed. Like, yeah, it would have been difficult to see Calderon getting these minutes. It would be difficult mm -hmm. to see... Even Charlie Rodriguez getting these minutes, Cordova. Yeah. I mean, that's that's another option, you know, that that maybe wouldn't have got the same amount of minutes. Aguirre. I mean, even cameo minutes for Jonathan Gonzalez, you know, who's still a crucial part of the next generation of Mexican talent. So as opposed to seeing this as these competitive games that Mexico is supposed to try to be getting wins in, maybe in essence, the way that Tata is seeing these is, is that this is just an extension of the mini camps that he's been hosting recently. And this is yeah. just an opportunity for a lot of young players, a lot of young players to her potentially could be going to Olympics for them to kind of continue to gel and play together and kind of find some cohesion together. So I, that, that, that's what I was pretty happy about. And also I like the fact that he was still going with his four, three, three formation. So mm -hmm. it kind of solidifies this idea going forward that this is the formation that the first team is using. And let's see how you can slot in, in these different positions. Let's see how Aguirre can play in the role that Guardado you know, usually plays. Let's see how Charlie Rodriguez can play in the role that Herrera usually plays. You know, let's see, you know, Jorge Sanchez, you know, can he be, I mean, even though he's unfortunately has an injury now, uh, he's like, but let's see if he can kind of be a Miguel Layun kind of player. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's, and, and I, I, I like that. And I like that he's continued with that 4-3-3 formation. I think the only issue I had recently was that uh, maybe it would have been nice if he would have called up another young striker like a Vega. Like, would have been nice to see Vega there. Uh, 
And maybe he could have played as a striker instead of Chucky as the false nine the last game. But, you know, credit to to Tata for mixing things up in that game and actually bringing in Macias in the second half. And he was definitely a game changer there. So that's my only real issue. But, I mean, as for the games themselves, I mean, Tata got the job done. And as opposed to another big North American team, he got the two expected wins there. So I I think that's... It's going to be, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Mexico fares in the playoff round, assuming they qualify for the playoff round once it starts next year. Yeah, agreed. Um, I mean, he even said so himself. I mean, he was amazed uh, at the fact that he can now think of Cristian Calderon as being Jesus Gallardo's sub. Um, yeah. And that's just, I think that's looking into whenever these rivals um, probably get better, when we're looking into the qualifiers for the World Cup, you can start seeing these options. And that way you're just not... Um, you, you're not forced to play with the same players all the time because you actually get to know someone that could actually beat them for the starting position some game or just be a really good sub for any other game. So I'm glad to see that. I'm glad it's giving all these younger players tons of experience because many of them um, aren't aren't eligible to play with Jaime Lozano's Olympic team anymore. So they're kind of like in between. They're not at the, at the senior team level, let's say, because they're not yeah. a Chicharito and Hector Herrera's generation but they don't fit in at the Olympic team either. So they're kind of like in between. Um, so if they slowly start getting these minutes, then yeah, we'll, we'll probably start seeing them. And it'll be great to see the more experienced players try to carry on all that, all that knowledge. And again, yeah, all that experience to, to these younger players and also getting all these, these younger players the opportunity to give um, Chicharito, Herrera a run for their money and to say, hey, I might be younger, I might be a little more inexperienced, but it doesn't mean I can't beat you at a starting lineup for the national team. Yeah, exactly. So let's let's kind of talk about some of those players. I mean, we've already kind of like dove into some of the ones that stood out the most because uh, I think I think for me, uh, I think a player that stood out a lot was Charlie Rodriguez. I think yeah. that I think he's someone who looks really really comfortable in his role for for Mexico. And he looks comfortable as a first team player. There's some play I will say like I was a fan of Calderon. You know, I, I I was I was pretty impressed by him. I was definitely impressed by him against Trinidad and Tobago. I thought he had an incredible game uh, earlier uh, this month, so not during the Nations League uh, matches. But I thought with Calderon, there were a few moments where I was just like, all right, maybe you could be a little bit more proactive. Maybe you could have a little bit more of a presence. But I thought he still had a good game. But with Charlie Rodriguez, I, I was very, very impressed by him in, in both matches. Uh, as at number eight for Mexico, someone who can step back as needed. But... I, I was very, very impressed by him. But who else uh, were you keeping an eye on or stood out to you in these last two games? Well, I mean, obviously seeing... I mean, we've seen them before, but just seeing the way Pizarro can play alongside Alvarado and Chucky yeah. up front is really interesting. I mean, That was fun seeing, at times, seeing them pass, to, yeah. pass them all together. That was fun. Yeah, it was, it was, I don't know, like energetic. It was a different style. I mean, they, they were used to seeing... Um, there were lots of questions when we saw that Chucky was going to be playing in that in that starting nine nine role, but it's something that I think he's slowly been doing with Napoli. Mm-hmm. So it's it's also great to see that that is taking this into consideration and just looking into how other cl- clubs are are using these players. Um, I, I was kind of worried at the beginning sometimes, like for, for for the central defense. I mean, Naranjo, Salcedo. Yeah. Um, I'm probably not as confident as when you, we used to see. I don't know like Hector Moreno and Rafa Marquez. Um, so it, it's kind of worrisome because it's usually a position that we don't struggle in with. It's just something like, oh, yeah, we're good at defending. We're usually struggling with the striker position, maybe. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, it's not something I'd be totally worried about, but it's still not as solid as I'd hope it would be. Um, midfield, I mean, you've got Aguirre, you've got Charlie Rodriguez, um, Hector Herrera just taking on that leadership position really well. 
Um, I, I was happy also to see Roberto Alvarado playing so well. I mean, seeing as though yeah. there's so, so much pressure with Cruz Azul, I mean, he had that amazing goal against Panama. So I was glad to see him. Um, I think I think I saw him like more like a free like more freestyle. I mean, yeah. he didn't seem like tied up to position. He was more creative, um, starting taking some initiative with the ball. So I, I I was glad to see him do that specifically because I think he's been struggling a bit with Cruz Azul. And he has Alvarado has been a little inconsistent with Mexico. Uh, yeah. Like I think I I wanted I wanted to ha- see him have a I think it was during the Gold Cup. I was a little disappointed by him, and I thought I was kind of hoping. Uh, that he was going to have a better turn. Well, I mean, it worked in the benefit of Antuna because uh, because Alvarado wasn't playing at his best. Antuna took over and started scoring. But I think Alvarado's been fairly inconsistent. But I think last night, they had a fantastic match. And yeah, I, I agree with you that he looked like kind of like a free-roaming player. And I think that front line was very fluid between mm-hmm. him, Lozano, Pizarro. I think actually like the whole attack was very fluid. Even Aguirre and Charlie Rodriguez. Yeah, like joining in. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or sometimes Aguirre would be like the left center attacking midfielder and then he would switch with Charlie and then Aguirre would be the right center attacking midfielder. So I think Alvarado was a part of that kind of like it was like this this like unit of just like of like tiki taka soccer, just like moving the ball really quickly. <laughs> At times, I almost felt like they wanted to just pass the ball into the back of the net. And there was like times I was like screaming just for them to shoot the ball because I felt like yeah. they were just like having just one too many touches. But I, I was very impressed by, by Alvarado uh, and the rest of the front line. But I do also agree with you with Salcedo and Araujo. And there, there's, there's got to be, I think, one detail that I think people have brought up before. And I, like I saw some people bring it up online. But I think one detail that maybe shows a sign that there's something a little off about, about the back line or about Salcedo and Araujo is that, is that Tata had them switch. You know, because usually... It's uh, typically you would see Araujo as a left center back and then Salcedo as a right center back. But in the last two games, he yeah, had Salcedo some... was on the left. Yeah. Yeah. And like and this was following that really, really poor performance that they had against Argentina, mm-hmm. uh, where I felt especially Araujo had a, a pretty dismal game. And I, I'm still not I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of both of those players. But I'm still not a hundred percent convinced that they work well together. And even last night, I thought I thought Salcedo had a, even though he had a good game. And I'm saying that despite the fact that he scored an own goal, I thought Salcedo had a good game. But there's just something yeah, off, off about yeah. yeah. And if we're saying that in Nations League matches, then what does that mean? When I mean against the United States, would we feel confident? Uh, you know, with Salcedo and Araujo as the two center backs, and I I, I don't know. I, I'm still worried about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, I, I don't think it's it's solid. I don't think they communicate well. I, yeah, it just, just seems like they're out of sync. So I don't know if it's like the fault of one over the other. I mean, obviously Araujo had that terrible performance against Argentina. Maybe he has to like shake that off somehow. Um, maybe it's like a confidence issue because I do, I, I, I trust Salcedo, I think, a bit more than I trust Araujo at this point. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it, it is something that I think could probably worry that the, just a bit because, the, I mean, the, when you think of those options, it's like, yeah, I mean, you, you have Araujo, you have Salcedo. It doesn't seem like a problem until you actually see them together and you're like, yeah, something's not working with them. I don't know if, it, if maybe changing even the goalkeeper could help, could help them out and just communicate a bit better. Maybe having someone with more experience like Ochoa um, shout out to them and try to give them a bit more order and just try to get them to work together a bit better. Maybe that could help. I'm not quite sure. Um, but yeah, also, also the goalkeeping position. I mean, 
I like Cota, I like Cudinho. <laughs> they both played for my team. Um, but still, I mean, I'm not entirely confident to have them in the goalkeeping position. I yeah. mean, if you yeah. have to choose, I mean, there's obviously Ochoa. Um, we can probably say, like, confidently, we won't be seeing Jesus Corona, Alfredo Talavera, like, any, or any more of those goalkeepers. So we do have to start looking into someone that will eventually um, have to take over Ochoa's starting position. I'm not quite sure if Gudinho and Cota are, the, like, our best choices so far. I mean, they, they seem to be their, our only choices at this point. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think they're as strong either. So I'm kind of worried about that as well. Yeah, so we'll see what happens to that. Because it seems like it's going to be Ochoa and probably some other backup Liga Mekis, like, uh, goalkeeper. Not backup as if he's a backup to their Liga Mekis team, but just a backup to Ochoa. So maybe it'd be, like, an Orozco or an Hugo Gonzalez or maybe even Chuy Corona, even though I feel like we got to move past Chuy Corona. I feel like it's going to be, mean, like, two... Could yeah. we look into Oscar Jimenez? Maybe? Should we give him a shot? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think, but I think in the end, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be Ochoa, another, like, somewhat Liga Mekis, like, like an older Liga Mekis player who's like in his late twenties or early thirties or mid thirties, and then maybe one, yeah, that, yeah, it could be that, and then and then and then maybe one young goalkeeper. Maybe it's gonna be a jurado. Maybe it's gonna be. I mean, I was gonna say Lahul, but I don't. I, I, mean, I, you, I don't think it's Lahul. I mean, you've got Godinho, um, Hernandez but, yeah. from from Atlas, Atlas as well. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, clear that he's on it. He's clear that Hernandez is on uh, Tata's radar too because he called him up recently. So yeah. It's it's not going to be easy, definitely. I mean, I think they're going to start struggling a bit. Hugo Gonzalez seems like a good choice to actually like pick up and one of those call ups and try to look into and see if, how he's doing. I mean, he's doing pretty well, I think, with Nakaxa. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, it's not something that you're like, oh yeah, it's like a no brainer. Yeah, let's yeah. just call up. Blah. It's not it's not as easy. I mean, we we just can't think of a name right now, and that's and we're looking like we're really thinking about it. <laughs> well, well, we I think we can think of names. We're just not. 100 percent sure, confident yeah. we're not confident about those names you know mm -hmm. like yeah yeah it doesn't seem yeah. like an easy answer yeah all right so let's let's talk about uh the goalkeeper chant which basically seemed like it was gone at the estadio azteca there are reports that some fans were kicked out i think the number was like 30 i think i saw tom tweet yeah. out something about that that maybe like about 30 something fans were kicked out because of goalkeeper chant um but I guess is a step in the right direction because there's supposed to be a new, uh, well, speaking of steps, a new three-step procedure for the goalkeeper chant, but that didn't need to be used. Uh, we last just skipped night. over step one and two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, and just like, sorry, how do you? <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, but I mean, it seems like speaking of steps once again, this is a step in the right direction. But maybe we didn't hear the chant just because there was a low attendance at the game. Um, I I do think they were actually kind of making sure that we didn't hear because. Um, coincidentally, any time that like the, <laughs> we're gonna get that goalkeeper chant, um, they would put like Silito Lindo or just something like Mexico or like uh -huh. I don't know something on like on the loudspeakers. Okay. So, yeah, and and it was a terrible attendance. I mean, yeah, games at, at 9 p.m. on a Tuesday night <laughs> really aren't working for us. Um, I do think um, I could sometimes hear it, but it's something. I mean, I think we're just like also thinking that we're always gonna hear it, so I, I'm not quite sure. But, I mean, if they did kick, kick out, like, 30 people, I'm pretty sure they heard something or they were just playing around and making sure that other people tried to just do whatever. So, I mean, yeah, again, it's a step in the right, right direction. It was probably better that this happened with a low attendance game instead of having, like, a really, yeah. like, Mexico-USA game and yeah. trying to make sure that, like, 40,000 fans don't scream something at the same time or something. Um, 
So, yeah, it does seem like a step in the right direction. I mean, we all saw what happened in, in the European qualifiers the day before. We were all aware of what happened in the Bulgaria Oof. versus England game. So it's, it's something that people are starting to see, and I think people are starting to understand. Yeah. So hopefully it, that happens because, I mean, the consequence, I mean, when, when it was like a fine, we were like, oh, yeah, let's just pay like whatever, like $1,000 or whatever they're just asking. Now, now it's something more painful. Now there's like a game at stake, like points for the, for the qualifiers. So that, that, that's things. When it was money, it was like, oh, yeah, well, well that's okay. We'll just pay for it. Um, and let me just say that this is, again, my petition is that we bring back the foie. that we saw in the U the U20 World Cup in 2011 that was just like the most fun I've had like at a stadium is when people started chanting foie if you guys have no idea what I'm talking about please please look this up in YouTube yeah that's what I was going to say it's it's definitely on YouTube it's definitely on YouTube Um, this is something that happened after like police um, they arrested this guy that was high or drunk or both and then he started saying that he had a foie, which is like a universal f- applied force or something like that, which is F-U-A in Spanish. And he started screaming that. So now during, that happened during the U-20 World Cup. And then what people started doing was instead of doing the chant for the other team's goalkeeper, they did it for your own goalkeeper because you were like sending him like positive energy. <laughs> so it was just so much fun having like the entire Stadio Azteca chant foie at the same time um, whenever our goalkeeper was um, getting the ball so that, that's just fun so yeah people look that up you're gonna have a you're gonna have a laugh when you see that yeah I'm definitely <laughs> I'm definitely on hashtag team foie right there with yeah. our, you know? <laughs> but we'll see we'll see what happens with the the next home game for Mexico I mean nothing's been set yet in stone about where that next home game is gonna be I've, I've heard I've seen rumors it's supposed to be in Toluca right nothing yeah, is, like, it's, it's it's not definitive but apparently yeah it's like they're, they're like saying it really openly, like, oh, yeah, we love Toluca. Um, I think actually, was it Data that said so? He's like, oh, that's her second home. And I was like, really? Oh, wow. Well, because <laughs> they, the, they have the other headquarter, the, the other like headquarter there. So that kind yeah. of makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, but we weren't used to having any kind, like just seeing the Mexican national team play anywhere else in Mexico that wasn't yeah. the Azteca. That was really rare. Which also brings up um, another thing, Pumas, out of all teams, because Pumas is really, like, formal, and it's really rare to see them, like, take an opportunity, like, on social media. They actually tweeted out today, and they said, hey, at um, Mi Selección MX, um, what do we have to do to get one of your games over here? So I was really amazed, because I, I never thought Pumas would do that. I could see Chivas asking for a game at the Akron, or Atlas mm-hmm. at the Jalisco, or, or Monterrey, and in, in for Monterrey. Um but I was like, wow, Pumas just like like bringing up their hand and saying, hey, you guys, we have another stadium over here in Mexico City. When are you guys coming over? Um, it's they're like, they're like, they're like, they're like, they're like, like sounds cool, but can it not be in the middle of the day? Like on a hot <laughs> oh, day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on be a like, is it cool if it's at seven o'clock at night? <laughs> yeah. So, something that's quite difficult to have. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I was, I was talking this over with some guys back at work and it's, it's like that, that stadium, that's an Olympic stadium. That stadium wasn't built to see um, soccer games, to be honest. It's a stadium that you usually see like American football games or athletics. It's, it's a difficult stadium to actually appreciate soccer, to be honest. So I'm not quite sure they'd go for it because you also need, I mean, you need a better press room and stuff like that. And this is, like, this is also an old stadium. It's kind of protected because it's like a cultural heritage thing going. 
Um, but it was interesting to see Pumas just say, "Hey, you guys, would would you be willing to come over?" I mean, maybe the U twenty, uh, the U twenty two team could go there, just like they did yesterday in Pachuca. They could just go over to to the Olympic Stadium and at Pumas. Yeah, I've never been to the Olympic Stadium, but like from images, it looks like it looks like some fans are like eight miles away from the field. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> yeah, really like, away. Like, yeah. <laughs> so maybe maybe it wouldn't be the best atmosphere uh, for for a game, but it does. It does seem like a really cool. His, I mean, I've never been, but it does seem like a very cool historic stadium. But yeah, maybe like mm-hmm. you said, maybe it's better for for football games. And you, it is kind of funny. You do sometimes see those uh, those football lines, and I'm yeah, talking about Amer- American American football. Li- yeah, during Pumas games. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh I, I mean, but but it also brings up the question: if like besides Toluca, which is now our second home, apparently, um, if if the team should actually be playing somewhere else that's not the Azteca, I mean. It's, it's sad to say this, but sometimes I think we're kind of used to the fact that we can get to see the national team almost every month or every couple of months, um, and which is why it also has like these really poor attendances sometimes. So maybe if you went to Monterrey, people will be so psyched yeah. to see the team that it wouldn't matter like against who they're playing. They're, they'll be win- willing to go to that game. Um, you've got Pachuca. You've got Guadalajara. Um, I mean, I would even look at the opportunity to go maybe to Tijuana, despite the fact that I know that the turf the is going to be a situation. Yeah, but but still, I mean, maybe like one of the again, maybe the U twenty two team could go over and just have more games over there. Yeah, that'd be good for kind of like like outreach, to, you know, for the rest of the country as opposed mm-hmm. to like always holding Mexico City. But yeah, I, I would be a huge fan of seeing something in Monterrey just because of the fans. I think that'd yeah. be incredible to see something in Monterrey. I think um, maybe something in Guadalajara would be would be nice. Although Guadalajara is essentially just, I mean, I mean, I, I think if we're looking for different venues, maybe you should be looking for something like exciting and different, like towards Monterrey. But over in Guadalajara, it's just kind of like, oh, okay, well, it's this is the second biggest city, so maybe <laughs> think a little, bit, <laughs> like, a little oh, bit okay. else. But Pachuca would be fantastic, right? That that would be yeah. very exciting. And and if they were actually, you know what, if they were the the issue with the it would be pretty cool if like they were if the capacity was a little bit was a little bit bigger. Because he yeah. would have a ridiculous amount, and they, and they are ex- expanding the stadium right now. I mean, like one seat at a time, so it's going to be finished in like eighty-five years or something. I'm just joking. It's probably, <laughs> probably next summer. But like, but it would be really cool actually to see something with Tijuana because you would have so many like Mexican American fans, so many fans from the U.S. making that trip down to go watch Mexico play in Tijuana. Yeah. That'd be that'd be quite a that'd be quite a quite a trip right there to be seeing that. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it's a good opportunity. I mean, I hope they do. I mean, you could start looking into Puebla that also had their stadium remodeled a couple of years, some years ago. Um, Pachuca, I mean, Querétaro. Um, and, visit, yeah, I mean, visit all I, the league Becky's teams, all of them. Yeah, pretty, pretty, I mean, like, probably except like Veracruz or something because we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but yeah, I mean, and looking into Monterrey, I mean, I would be psyched if the team actually went to the Estadio Universitario. Like, yeah. I mean, if they go, if they go to the BBVA, which is just amazing and beautiful and modern and everything, but I can't imagine like the, the Mexican national team at Tigres' home stadium. Seeing oh. how amazing the attendance has been at that stadium recently, it would just be great to see the, the national team there. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- didn't they play? Was it in 2018? They had a friendly there, didn't they? Or was it 2017 that they had a friendly there? Am I am I wrong? I, I don't know why I'm, I feel like I'm uh, I feel like I assumed that happened because uh, wasn't I it? I remember it was. I remember because I think it was yeah 2018. Because remember uh, what is it? Lahoud was basically having a pretty bad game for Mexico, and the the Monterrey fans oh, were giving were giving a yeah. difficult time. I, I yeah, think 
I think it was in uh, it was in the El Volcan. But but yeah, yeah. but you but you want to see more games like that essentially. Like I definitely want to see more games like that yeah. out there. So hopefully they'll talk they'll look into that. I mean I I'm not quite sure if with the TV rights or something like that they're yeah. kind of forced to play at the Azteca. But it would be great to get other fans the opportunity to actually see the team like at their stadium. That would be amazing. I think it'll also like help the team not be eternally comfortable at the Azteca sometimes. Yeah. I think we can or we're kind of like overconfident when it comes to the home teams, like the home game teams. hundred percent, hundred percent. But other, let's uh, let's wrap things up really quickly on the Nations League. So let's kind of like go back to the big question, you know, about our thoughts on the Nations League tournament because I I feel like there's just so much. I guess there's there's a lot of justifiable criticism and anger about the tournament, but at the same time, it's like people whether it be media people or fans or people yelling on Twitter, it's it's almost as if people forget that we are still a part of the CONCACAF region. So it shouldn't be shocking when we're playing up against CONCACAF teams. And whether people like it or not, it seems like the Mexican soccer and South American soccer seem to be distancing themselves in recent years. You know, like Libertadores, there was was scheduling issues for Liga Mekis clubs. And it looks like, there's going to be Mexico is going to be taking part in the Copa America anytime in the near future. So I feel like people can complain all they want about the nation's league, but it's, it's here to stay, whether we, whether we like yeah. it or not. I mean, it comes down also, I mean, I was remembering um, how we always want to play against the Netherlands and Spain and Germany or whatever. Um, but I'm not quite sure they always want to face us. And I think that's pretty yeah. much the same thing that's happening whenever we have to face um, one of the teams in, in the Caribbean or Central America. Um, they're probably psyched to play Mexico because it is a, a better level than, than what they have. And that's what we want when, whenever we face someone else. Um, but sometimes you have to face, I don't know, like, like a little guy. I mean, you have to face someone else because that's the way, I mean, everyone can kind of benefit that way. So, yeah, I mean, we won't always want to, we won't always get to face the, like the Netherlands. I think we probably, I think there was a rumor that we were going to face them next year, by the way. Um, but yeah, sometimes we're going to have to face Bermuda and we're going to have to understand that for them, it is an improvement. And if we look at it um, the way we were just saying at the beginning of the pod, um, just taking advantage of that opportunity to have the team together as, as a FIFA-friendly, uh, making sure that clubs will, will actually lend all these players, um, I mean, we could take advantage of it. So it just has to – we have to make sure that that actually happens. It's not just a game that, oh, we're going to call up only Liga MX players because we don't yeah. care about this game and then we're not going to call them up any other time because then that's when we're going to call up the more experienced players. And I think the next best option is, rec- is so, so recognizing that Mexico has to take part in the Nations League. So once again, yeah, ideally we'd be playing stronger teams, but the, the truth is that Mexico's going to be taking part in the Nations League going forward. So I think the next best option after that is that Mexico can schedule friendlies against big teams. I know when I say friendlies and when I say Mexico, that this is when I mean every fan who doesn't like those games right now is probably yelling, "Oh, those are partidos moleros." You know, they're cash yeah, grabs. Yeah. And of course, you know what? And they are a hundred percent. They're cash grabs. Let's not let's not ignore it. That's a hundred percent true. But if you look at the opponents that Mexico's had since 2018, Mexico's actually scheduled some pretty good friendlies. They Mexico's played. Argentina three times since 2018. They've played Chile twice. They've played Paraguay. They've played Venezuela. They've played Ecuador. They've played the United States. It's almost like, in my mind, it's like, so Mexico couldn't take part in the Copa America, but they've like found a way but to somehow still, do that. <laughs> we're facing them anyway. <laughs> yeah, and these friendlies. And yeah, sometimes it's pretty obvious when Mexico's like, all right, 
we're, we're scheduled to have a certain amount of uh, friendlies in the U.S., so we're going to be going up against Croatia's C team, or we're going to be going up against Bosnia and Herzegovina for whatever reasons. And I think it is fair to criticize those games, but I actually think that since, and I, and I know Mexico played Trinidad and Tobago like earlier this month, but I think that was in preparation for the Nations League, but I think Mexico's actually done a decent job uh, in, in, in 2018-2019 having some pretty good friendlies, especially this year. Because if you look at all the friendlies that Mexico's had this year, they're actually against pretty good opposition. Yeah, agree. I mean, I think we've we've totally improved um, on that. I mean, we we were used to facing. I remember one time we faced um, Vanuatu, and I, I'm never oh, going to forget God. that. Because I, I had to Google like where that was. Um. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Soccer is great for for geography. I know where Bermuda is at now. I 100 percent know where Bermuda is at now. I was confused I... when it, when I heard it was like it was like wait, Mexico is flying to New York and then flying to Bermuda. South? I was like, yeah, like I was how like, did you have that happen? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll remember Van because when I Googled it, it was like, that's like the happiest country on earth or something. <laughs> they have like the best <laughs> ranking as, as like the happiest country. So I was like, wow, we, we faced like the happiest country on earth and we had no idea where it was. Like you couldn't find it on a map. Yeah. By the way, it, it's like east of New Zealand or something. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I guess it, I, the only thing I would probably still want to improve a bit on um, would be where we're playing. Again, yeah, yeah. if it's in Mexico, yeah. just... I think it, we've gotten to the point where we actually do have to leave the Estadio Azteca. Um, if we're playing in the States because we, we've got the Zoom contract and everything going, that's, I mean, that's okay. But hopefully we'll also look into more opportunities actually playing in Europe. Let's start to play yeah. a bit more in South America. Agreed. I Agreed. think that's probably what we're lacking just a bit more. Yeah, and I think, I think hopefully those two friendlies against Argentina, as strange as it was to have the two friendlies in Argentina uh last year what was it, it was like the, it was, we played Argentina twice yeah. <laughs> in November that seemed a little strange but that seemed to be like a step in the right direction but yeah I do agree hopefully you do see Mexico make those trips over to Europe like I think it was last year I think it was a game even though it was Denmark and Denmark isn't exactly like the, the biggest team but it, and I know it was right before the World Cup so of course they were prepping but for still, the World yeah, Cup it helps. But, but, but it was good to see this so yeah I agree because yeah because even though uh, like I said, even though Mexico are playing up against good opposition, when you do look at the location of all the games that Mexico has taken part in 2019, it's like 90% United States and then a, yeah. a couple of Mexico and one in Bermuda. So you, yeah, it, it, Mexico, yeah. So, <laughs> we're way yeah. too comfortable when it comes to that. I mean, yeah, we've got that home team thing going all year long. So you yeah. do need to face like that, like 12 player, like on the stand. Um, just be uncomfortable that way. I do think we're we're missing that. And, and seeing as though we complain about the team, how we can sometimes be so weak mentally whenever we're like losing a game or something like that, I think that would help. Just making yeah. sure that you don't have that support as much as you'd like to all the time. Yeah, and my final note uh, on, on the Nations League before we move on to Veracruz. Uh, really quickly, yeah, I, I do think that one thing that, that needs to be talked about about the Nations League, I talked about it earlier in the pod, but that the significance... Uh, of these Nations League matches when it comes to FIFA rankings, because once again, I, mean, I don't know, I know if we have any mathematicians <laughs> that that <laughs> listen to the podcast, but feel free to to look at to look at um, to like double check my work. I actually posted it. I think it was yesterday. If you look at my tweets, I talk about the significance of the Nations League matches when it comes to FIFA rankings, and then there is a PDF or some sort of file that I posted from FIFA that includes the equation 
for deciding uh, how many, like how mu- how much these games matter when it comes to FIFA rankings. And when I crunched the numbers, yeah, it was interesting to note that yeah, uh, a win over someone like Honduras or the United States or Costa Rica, let's say in the semis uh, of the Nations League. So not the group stage because the group stage games aren't worth nearly as much. But like in the semis or the final, the third place game, that would matter more in the FIFA rankings or would give us more points than if Mexico were to beat Belgium in a friendly. So Belgium, the number one ranked team in the world right now, that wouldn't matter nearly as much for the FIFA rankings than a defeat over over Honduras in the semis of the Nations League. So I think that's something to keep in mind uh, going forward. So yeah, see these group stage matches, I mean, they're not... I mean, I did the math that the group stage match against uh, against Bermuda and Panama, that's definitely not going to help a lot point-wise. But, <laughs> I mean, Panama, it does help. Uh, Bermuda, it barely helps uh, point-wise. But once you get into the knockout round of the tournament, once you get into the, the playoffs, that's when you can definitely see some, some significant progress right there uh, for Mexico. So I think that's something to keep in mind, too, that, yeah, maybe it isn't going to be that exciting, to be seeing Mexico going up against potentially Honduras or, I mean, we'll see who else qualifies for, for, for the semis. It could be Curacao. You never know. They're, I think they're, <laughs> they're in first place right now, but that could be pretty significant for Mexico uh, towards, uh, towards the FIFA rankings, which once again are very important because uh, the FIFA rankings decide what pot you're going to be in uh, when choosing the group stage. And once again, this is assuming Mexico qualifies for the world cup, but I mean, I assume we won't we're, have any problems, right? Yeah, I'm, right, I'm right? yeah, we we could be positive. Yeah, we just could be, be positive, like, optimistic. Right? Like, yeah, we no no disaster like in 2013, like facing New Zealand or anything like that. So I think we'll just like go through smoothly, hopefully, right. well, probably with that. Though. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of disasters, Adriana, we got to talk about Veracruz and the drama, the disaster that's happening with Veracruz right now. So. Uh, there are reports that Veracruz players are owed money, and in response to again. this, again, yeah, right, again, uh, in response to this, earlier today, the Mexican Players Association uh, sent out a tweet that announced that Veracruz uh, players will not take part in the game this Friday against Tigres. Adrián, your thoughts on this situation, this drama with Veracruz? Unfortunately, this is nothing new, but uh, but your, your, your thoughts on this situation? I actually saw um, Nestor de la Torre say this, and I thought he was like. Like, like he hit it on the head. I mean, it said, he said, this is the Federation's fault. You, you, you've known for months that Veracruz has this problem with yeah. owing play, players so much money, um, having tons of debt. I mean, I think we, they even had some problems like paying for like this, like the lighting in the stadium and stuff like that. So whenever, um, whenever we're in the off season and we had the Liga Max draft and stuff like that. Legally, apparently, what, what what should have happened was that you wouldn't allow the team to even start the season because they still owed players money from the season before that. So they just like turned around their heads. They were like, "Oh yeah, that, well now we have an agreement that says they're gonna pay those debts probably like in ten days or like two weeks or something." So we're all good. So we're gonna allow them to actually bring in new players. Well, they're still going to, I mean, it's going to just make the debt even bigger. Yeah. Um, and we're going to keep all those players in that team. Don't worry. They're going to get paid. No. And now they want th- these players to do things correctly. I mean, a year ago, we had Memo Vasquez come forward and say, I'm working for a team that didn't even let me sign a contract. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're owed money. 
um, all the situations just came forth. I mean, we all kind of knew about it, but no one had actually said something like straight to the media, like just say things as they were. So then all these things happen. Um, and now the league is trying to make sure that these players, if, if they do need support, because the league is saying, hey, you guys, I mean, we're willing to support you. If, if, if the club actually does owe you money, please show us some documents that prove that and we'll, we'll back you up. The thing is, um, Veracruz has players with two contracts. One exactly. is the official yeah. one that they're turning into the federation saying, this player earns, I don't know, let's say 10,000 pesos. And that's the official amount of money they're making. That's like to, to the federation, this player earned like he will he'll he'll have like a salary of ten thousand pesos. But um, Veracruz would then go like with the player and secretly say, "Hey, I'm gonna say that you you earned this money and I'm gonna pay you that, but I'm actually gonna pay you like six hundred thousand pesos on the side, and that's just between you and me." So then, what happened now is that all these players are complaining, "Hey, you owe me tons of money." Yeah. Um, and then the league is like, oh, just show me the documents. Well, yeah, the problem is those documents say that they earn so much less money. So obviously they don't want to turn those documents in because if they force the club to actually pay them what those documents say, it's not nearly as close as it should be for what they were promised they were going to be paid. So yeah. it's a mess. It's, it's, it's a huge mess. I mean, it's a disgrace to the league. Um, I mean, we've known this for months. I mean, we knew this a year ago with Memo Vasquez. We saw this coming whenever, um, when they were relegated and they paid to stay. Um, I mean, we see this when they, I mean, I was looking into the players. If you look at the squad that's registered in, in Liga MX, they have like six players that haven't had a single minute for in, in the first division tournament. I mean, they've had some cup games and stuff like that. But for instance, there's this player that they brought in that hasn't had any activity like for two years. And he used to play for the America U20 team, but he only played like 13 minutes one tournament. And then he stopped playing for a couple of years and somehow Veracruz signed him on. And then they did the same thing with a player that was from Cruz Azul's U20 team, but he's not playing with Veracruz either. Um, they signed another player that comes um, from, um, from the, the UNAM high school. I mean, it's not even a professional team. This is like a yeah. high school team. And they signed him as well. I mean, it just makes you think, like, why are you hiring players that you're not going to use? Right. Uh, I mean, no disrespect. They're not good players at all. I mean, they're zero experience. But you bring, I mean, it just comes to think, I mean, what kind of business Veracruz is doing with its team that it's kind of like bringing in these players that it's not even using? Yeah, the, the, the sad thing for me when, when I'm thinking about this is it was, um, it was actually a press conference from a different team earlier today. I forget who the player was from, from Morelia. It was a Morelia press conference because obviously right now in a lot of these press conferences, press are asking players about you know the situation going on Veracruz. And I forgot who it was, but when he was asked about the situation of Veracruz, he said, he said, no, it's nada nuevo in el fútbol mexicano. Or basically, it's it's nothing new in Mexican yeah. soccer, which is sad. It's, it's, it's really sad that this... This news regarding Veracruz, this news regarding just like oh, like you know, there's there there's debt, there's there's money that's owed to them. It's 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 not something that we haven't seen before in the league, and it and it's unfortunate because like you said, the the league should have really clamped down on this, you know, earlier. The league is well aware of this. We saw what happened, yeah, with uh, the double contract situation uh, last year. Because the thing is, you would assume that the players would want this fixed as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And for the league to say, like you said, oh, for the league to be like, no, there needs to be a formal complaint to a certain committee or whatever it is. 
you would have thought that the players would have would, would have already done that if that would have yeah. solved the issue. And if they haven't done that, it's probably be, probably because of something like the double contract. Because like you said, what's going to happen is they're going to show them the paperwork, but the League of Mikey's committee, they're well aware that they're not going to see the full picture. They're not going to yeah. see the full picture of, of what their double contract situation is like. Basically, if they were to, I think we all assume that if they were to show the documentation to the League of Mikey's committee, League of Mikey's committee would be like, oh, well, it looks like Veracruz has paid what they owed you. But in reality, mm -hmm. they haven't paid them what they fully owe them because that double contract, because there is that other bit of money that that's owed to the players. So it's, I mean, it's all, it's, 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 it's unfortunate because I mean, so so much of this is murky and so much of this is a gray area because it's a lot of we're basing this off of what we've heard by rumors, what we've heard from certain people, you know, stepping up and having the courage to talk about these things. But in the end, all that matters and all that's this, all that matters is that Veracruz is just <laughs> not very well run. I guess that's yeah. just and it's and it's really really sad to see. For the players, for the staff, and for the fans too, to have to go through with this, and it's, it really, really sucks. Yeah, and I mean, now the situation is, um, if Veracruz doesn't play, I mean, apparently, what's going to happen? Because this is what the players' association said after they talked to them. Um, because Liga Max actually had like two people from their office go to Veracruz and just stay at a hotel, waiting for someone to come forward and complain formally about what was going on. Nobody did yeah. that because of this double contract situation. But then now what is happening is um, players, apparently, they're not going to play against Tigres. If they do that, um, Liga Max Rule says that they'll be relegated immediately, which they probably will be anyway. <laughs> I mean, yeah, 35 yeah. games in a row or something like that. So apparently what's going to happen to avoid that is that Veracruz is going to then call up their U20 team and have them play against Tigres, and then that will avoid them from being relegated immediately. I mean, but it's just ridiculous. I mean, um, they're also expecting other teams to join in and not play their games. I'm not really sure if they're going to be e able to do that. I mean, I really don't see America joining in and not playing this weekend. I mean, I don't, I don't see Chivas doing it. I, I really, I'm not quite sure what Tigres will do until a couple of hours ago. Um, the official news was they're going to travel to Veracruz and they're just going to be there. If Veracruz doesn't want to play, well, that's their choice. Um, but they are well. I mean, apparently, according to the association, they're kind of expecting other teams to join in and just complain about this and just like help them out somehow. So, I mean, I, I'm not quite sure what will happen on Friday. It's it's terrible. I mean, we we also know that they are not playing. I mean, they're not paying anyone from the coaching positions. They're not paying anyone in the women's team. They're not playing and they're not paying anyone in the youth team either. So it's, it's really difficult. I mean, because if you go to one of the U20 guys and you're like, hey, the senior squad isn't going to play against Tigres, would you like to play? I'm pretty sure they're going to say, yeah, of course yeah, I'd like of, to play. Of I mean, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not going to help them out anyway, but it's just an opportunity for them. They're not, they're not going to miss that. So it's really difficult. Um, we were expecting, actually, the association and Veracruz to tweet out some kind of press release a while ago. They didn't. Um, the association was just because the president talked at the airport to several media, to like several reporters, and he said, this is what we know. Um, and Fidel Curi actually was interviewed by Marca Claro um, a couple some hours ago, ago as well. And he was just, oh my, it was just amazing to read like the interview. And he said, yeah, um, I know I, there's, there's several players or mo many players don't even have a contract. It's just like a verbal agreement. 
So I know what I owe all like all of those players. And I was like, really? There's like yeah. no paper that says I owe player A this money and I, I told player B that I would pay him this much and then player C. I mean, because apparently it's like most of the squad. I, I just can't understand how you can pay most of the squad by verbal agreements. How can you even remember that? How can you even like know, oh yeah, I told this new player if yeah. he scored that many goals, I would pay him this much. But if he didn't, then I would pay him this much. It's 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 crazy. It's it's terrible for the league. I mean, thinking of how you're trying to go forward, um, we want a, a league that has 20 teams. It doesn't seem possible at this point <laughs> yeah. because we're struggling with 19 as it is. Um, and if you look into like the Ascenso, it's not like you have many options either. So um, it, it it is starting to look difficult, and it looks terrible on the league that you had so many opportunities to avoid this and you didn't. You just said, "Oh yeah, no worries." They promised they would pay, so we're good. Let's just keep on going. Yeah, and I mean, ideally, it would be awesome if we were to see other teams uh, take part and strike yeah, as strike, well. Yeah. But it, it, I mean, at time of recording, we talk. About, it looks like it looks like it, it might just be Veracruz, and I mean, you do see support. I mean, I was I was trying to look for a bunch of like press conferences earlier today to see if there was any hints of teams potentially striking, but it seems like for the most part, it's like. Everything that all the players have been saying, like non-Veracruz players, have been the same thing. It's essentially, we support Veracruz's players. We hope this gets resolved soon, but then that's about it. You know, there's there's not, there's nothing concrete about them being like, and we're going to strike on Friday. We're going to join them. Like, it's nothing about that, but it's it's them showing support. But, I mean, who knows what happens within the next couple of days. Maybe we'll see another team or another team step up. But it seems like, uh, at time of recording at least, it looks like, the other teams are supporting other players are supporting Veracruz players, but it might just be Veracruz's first team that just won't be taking part uh, in this Liga Mekis weekend. But that would be pretty cool because, I mean, if everybody were to strike, you can't relegate everyone, right? <laughs> you can't, I, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd like to see that. I mean, they, they did ask some... I, I'm expecting many more people, like many more players to actually talk about it tomorrow. I mean, there's a press conference at Chivas. Siboldi is expected to, get, to give his press conference at Cruz Azul. Um... I mean, but Michel at Pumas was asked about it, and he said, totally, we, I mean, we're totally going to support Veracruz any way we can. Um, and he actually went forward and said, we had this happen in Spain before, and, and the way oh. we got rid of it was every single contract had to be in the Federation's, like, possession. Oh, wow. So, wow. I, so yeah, that was, that was really interesting. I mean, looking at a foreign coach coming and saying, yeah, we've seen this happen, and because I've seen this happen, um, we're going to totally support them. Um, that was really interesting. I mean, I really don't think Pumas will actually allow him to do anything because we know Pumas is kind of strict when it comes to those kinds of things. But it was still interesting to see um, a coach come in and say, this has happened somewhere else, and we stopped it by doing this. So, I mean... Good luck it, trying to convince Fidel Guri to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's slightly difficult. <laughs> um, but again, it's going to be... I mean, it will be really interesting to see if Chivas has something to say about it, for instance... Um, I don't know, looking into Puebla, I mean, Puebla has also had difficulties with, with getting uh, payments on time and stuff ha like that. Happened to Cholos too, and I think 2017, I think it happened with Cholos. There was, there was issues with, uh, with payment problems. And, and not saying that Cholos are like a, a club that traditionally have problems. That was actually kind of unexpected there. But it does kind of show that like this could th that could definitely impact bigger teams. It's not just a Veracruz or Puebla situation. Like if it could impact Cholos, it could definitely yeah. impact other mid-table teams, you know? Agreed. I mean, I, I actually even remember, I think it was Atlas sometime. Um, they had, they held practice and they turned their jerseys like inside out. They were like backwards. 
Um, and that's how they started complaining. It was a while ago. I mean, was, but but yeah, I mean, it, it can happen to so many teams. So I mean, I think it could also just be a great way to just make sure that the league avoids this from happening once more against probably probably uh, with Veracruz again if they do something as strong as what they're thinking for, of doing this weekend. I mean, we saw it with the, with the referees a year yeah. ago. Um, they went on strike and they said, we're, we're done with this. Um, and we didn't have a league that weekend. And that was just, I mean, it set like a really big standard to what we're supposed to do from that point on. So if they did that with Veracruz, I'm pretty sure that it would be like a, an amazing win for the players, especially. Oof, I mean, I doubt it's going to happen, but that would make me feel, I feel proud. Honestly, <laughs> like yeah. proud I'd, I'd feel very proud if that were to actually yeah. happen. I doubt I mean, it's going to happen, if, but that would be yeah. very, very cool if that were to happen. I mean, I mean, the thing is, we talk about why they haven't done this before. And usually the answer you get from people when you ask like people, reporters and people that are close to the team, the, the, like, the most popular reason is because players are scared. I mean, they're honestly scared of what Gordy could do to them. Like he's like threatened them at some point. Um, that it's not going to happen. And there's other rumors saying that Guri um, was kind of unbeatable by the Federation, and no one really knows why, but it's th th what usually people say is, like, he probably knows something that if he says whatever um, about the Federation, it's going to be, um, I mean, it's going to be against the Federation. So yeah. just to avoid him from saying something secret, something that people aren't supposed to know about, is why the Federation has kept him going for so long without it, like a, a fine or just a huge punishment or having to force him to sell the team or something like that. So, I mean, when you start talking about these things, are you like, really? I mean, we have a league that where one of the owners is kind of holding hostage, like the entire federation because of what he knows. And that's why we're, we're letting him get away with everything he's doing. I mean, that's, that's terrible. I mean, how can we think of having a better league if we let that happen? Exactly. Yeah. And then it's just, and especially like, this isn't, this isn't the only instance where Fidel Cody has proven to be a, a very questionable Liga Mekis leader, you know, like yeah. someone who's running a team that this is just one of many instances, but hopefully this does get resolved soon. Fingers crossed. We do actually see a league wide strike. Cause that would be super cool if that would happen. But, uh, <laughs> but I don't know. We got about like five to 10 minutes here uh, left of the pod. So let's, let's talk about some other Liga Mekis news. And I feel like really quickly, we got to talk about the rumors that Ricardo Pelias might be joining uh, Chivas as a potential member of the front office. So their reports, well, not even reports, we've all seen the videos of just uh, <laughs> Belias making his way over to, to Chivas HQ, meeting up with Amaury Vergara. Uh, apparently nothing is set in stone just yet, but the question is what role he's going to have and basically if he's given enough money to buy the players he wants to. I mean, that's, that's just the question, isn't it? I mean, um, Nestor de la Torre said um, some hours ago um, he has had zero contact because apparently he was one of the other candidates to take over that that's that sporting position, um, like sports director, I think it is. I the thing I struggle with the most, I mean, I think everyone, every Chivas fan I know wants Pelaez. I mean, he's a sure thing. You know what he did at America. You most Liga Mackey's clubs would want him. I think. Most yeah, I mean, I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, honestly, who wouldn't want Pelaez? I mean, he's shown so much talent in that administrative role, getting players on time, um, hiring really good players. I mean, not seeing some like really like fiasco players coming in halfway through the season, not even playing well, not getting those goals that, that you were promised. Um, I mean, it would be just amazing. The thing is, this is a guy that wins like 700,000 pesos per month. Yeah. Um, according to some reports, I mean, he's, he, he, his salary is like seven times larger than that of our president. 
So, um, and the thing is, Chivas doesn't have that money. I mean, I really don't think they do. So yeah. even if they did, um, let's just say he takes, I don't know, like a pay cut and says like, oh, don't worry about it. You can just like give me half of that. He's going to want really good players. And I don't yep. think Chivas can get them either. I mean, that's the, that's the big thing with Chivas right now is that they don't have any money. And I don't even think they have players that they could sell to get that money at this point. So I don't know. On one hand, I'm thinking maybe Pelaez wants this challenge. It probably is the biggest challenge he could face um, at an administrative role. On the other hand, it could be a total disaster because he can't do all those things that we've seen him do with teams like America and Cruz Azul who don't have those problems like, like, like financially. So, I mean, hopefully it'll happen. Um, apparently things were moving quite quickly. Um, there were lots of rumors about Chivas doing like changes in, in the way they're structured for next year. I don't know if they'll wait that long, maybe. Um, but it would be amazing to see Pelais take on that kind of challenge because, I mean, that's a huge challenge. Having a Mauri Vergara, kind of like a new owner coming into the team, the team facing relegation despite whatever happens with Veracruz. Um, you're kind of like messing up your, your, your youth system. You don't have that many players you could sell. You can't buy other players. It, it would be a huge challenge for Pelais, but really interesting to see him take it on. Yeah, and here's the thing. You can have the best sporting director or vice president or whatever like in the world when it comes to soccer, but if you're not willing to buy the players that that, that sport director or vice president wants, you know, then... Not saying what's the point, but I think that's just not going to help, you know. So, so let's see what happens. And also, if, if I'm, I don't know if I'm right in in saying this, but I think I saw, I feel like I saw a tweet saying that Monterrey are probably are are also interested in him as well. And even though it looks like Chivas are pretty close to making a deal with him, it looks like Monterrey might want to try to bring him in. And if so, I mean, maybe that uh, maybe that kind of means that, that Chivas need to act quickly here. If yeah. That is actually true. And Monterrey, I mean, Monterrey were willing to play to pay whatever they needed to to get Almeida. So I'm pretty sure paying Pelaez wouldn't be a problem. Um, I'm 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 not quite. I mean, it's a it's a good challenge as well. I mean, you you have a team that has an amazing squad, like probably uh-huh. one of the top three or four squads in the league. You have tons of money, um, and yeah, you you want you want that championship as soon as possible with Monterrey. So, I don't know. I, I think somehow Pelaez would be eager to get that Chivas challenge. I think yeah. that would be like his Everest. Is that just, is that just wishful thinking, Adriana? Is that, is that what it is for you? <laughs> it's, it's like 90% wishful thinking, 10% being realistic. <laughs> no, I, I, really, I really do think he's like a guy that takes on challenges. I mean, he moved into Cruz Azul despite coming in from America. It really didn't bother him. He's totally professional. Um, I love the fact that he's kind of like he's really formal and really strict on having players come in on time, sign them when they're when you have to, and make sure that the coaches have everything they need to to work correctly. Um, I think that, that that might also have to do with it. I mean, I don't really know if Pelaez would want Luis Fernando Tena next season. Um, he's only signed in to end this season, so maybe the, the, like one of the things that could interest him would be, hey, you're gonna have the possibility of even choosing a coach next season. I mean, yeah, yeah it's it's a huge challenge. Um, again, I think it would be his biggest challenge yet, but maybe that's what makes it more interesting. Yeah, no, so maybe that's why that, that's why you'll be keeping your fingers crossed. You gotta have that one thing like where it's just like you gotta like print out a picture of him. 
and then like put it under your, your pillow. So then it's just like kind of like, you know how some people say like, oh, if you want certain things to happen, you just like print out a picture and like put it underneath your like pillow. So it's like, it's like kind of like sending good yeah. vibes towards <laughs> that. <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to put, um, I'm going to put Ricardo Pela. It's like, like head over heels or something like one of the saints. Like I think there's, <laughs> I remember what saint it is. It's like San Antonio or something. You're supposed to like turn him over because you want things to appear. Really? So I've, we're, we're going to do that with Polais. I've, I've never heard that. Maybe I'm just like a really bad like Mexican Catholic there, but I, I've never. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to my abuelita about this and, and be like, so yeah, San Antonio, not the city. Yeah, not the city, not the city. Yeah, like the actual saint. I think that's that's the one you had to like have a picture and just like turn it over and have him like his head in the bottom. Um, I think that's I think that was the one you, you had to like pray to to get like things to appear or happen or something. Yeah. So we'll do that with Pelais, and let's see how that goes. <laughs> you could do that. I'll I'll do that with like I don't know, like 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 asking for like a million dollars or something like that. <laughs> Yours is more realistic. Mine's a little different. <laughs> All right. Well, Adriana. Uh, so assuming the 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 rest of Liga Mekis weekend is still happening, uh, what should we keep an eye on? What what, what stands out to you uh, from the Liga Mekis weekend? Um, I mean, looking at Necaxa against América, I think will be yeah. really interesting. Memo Vázquez, like, I think it's a growing rivalry against Miguel Herrera. I mean, um, they were teammates. They, they know each other really, really well. I can only imagine what would have happened national team-wise if Cruz Azul had beaten América in that, that final. Um, it, can, can you actually imagine how many things would have changed if Cruz Azul had beaten that final? I mean, I'm pretty right. sure Memo Vázquez would have been like national team coach after that um but anyway so Necaxa faces America Necaxa coming in first place I mean that's a huge surprise for everybody um Monterrey Turco Mohamed first game versus Chivas we all thought it was going to be Almeida nope it's Turco Mohamed um back at Monterrey and that's the last game on Sunday night so that's going to be a really good game I think probably those are probably the two games to, to watch um other than seeing whatever happens at Veracruz yeah, especially with, yeah, because definitely from my notes right here, I'm definitely keeping an eye on Necaxa versus America, like you mentioned. And other than the fact that it's, you know, a, a battle between, you know, two members of the top four, it's just, there's something definitely interesting there building with Necaxa, you know? And like, I think people have talked about it recently, but just the the ability for Necaxa to really find this talent, which is kind of either undervalued or them getting it on the cheap and then like reselling it. And like mm-hmm. finding these gems that they keep sending up. I mean, right now that gem that everybody's talking about is uh, Maro Quiroga, the the twenty yeah. nine year old Argentine striker. You know, uh, this isn't someone who was well known to Liga Mekis fans before he joined, uh, before he moved to Mexico. You know, he wasn't someone that was in a lot of teams' radars, or if if they were, they were doing some great scouting. But yeah, since he's <laughs> you know this season, you know he's he's one of the league leaders uh, when it comes to goal scoring. He's got eight so far. Um, he's tied up there with Julio Forch, so you know quite the player that they have there. But I think for the most part, with with Necax, I mean, you look at that roster, and it's not like a Monterrey, it's not a Tigres, it's not a Club América. They definitely they're 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 building something special there with and and with a lot of players that aren't exactly, you know, what you would consider to be like if there was a Liga Mekis All Star team, you wouldn't exactly have a lot of you know, yeah. Necax wouldn't players. be like top of your mind despite the fact that they're first place. Yeah, but even like someone like a like a Ricardo Chavez, you know, just like this defender. I think right now he's actually, I was looking at stats the other day. I think he's actually leading the league in, in tackles so far this season. So like having like having a member of like of the back line like that, it's just like work so hard, like game in and game out. I, it'd be interesting to see how they do 
uh, up against someone like America and someone like America who's also going to be missing Jorge Sanchez because I think he's out for yeah. a few weeks. So you're going to have probably have someone like Carlos Vargas uh, step up in his position. But I'm definitely yeah, I, a, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, Jorge Sanchez is out, I think, about three weeks. Um, yeah. Apparently, Nico Castillo will be back, but he's coming in as a sub first. But he's ready to be back on the pitch. So that's going to be really interesting. I think we, we were all expecting him to be back like in November, right? but he, he had a really good like recovery. Um, so I think they're only missing Jorge Sanchez. And I mean, we all know Giovanni is out um, for the rest of the regular season. He'll probably be back for Liguilla. So, I mean, also kudos to Miguel Herrera. I don't think he's had a, an entire squad the entire season. Yeah, it seems like every when I when I think of America this season, I just think of injuries. It just seems like they've had, <laughs> yeah. like, constant in, injury issues. Yeah. Or, I mean, they, they had Mateo Suriba leave. They had Agustin Marchesin leave. Um, and then all these players coming in, getting injured. It's it's. I mean, it also, it also goes to show how amazing their squad is because despite that, their fourth plays, they're really strong. Um, and you usually can think of someone to make up for that position. It's not like, oh my God, who are, are we going to have to play in for Giovanni's spot? It usually comes up really quickly. So, I mean, good for them. I, I think they're only struggling now with how poorly Memo Choa has performed ever since he joined the team. Yeah. And despite that, they're still fourth place. So it's still not as bad as, as it could be. Yeah, and I think you, you mentioned the other game there, uh, Monterrey versus Chivas. I mean, you know, it's easy to, to point out games that just involve, you know, Chivas and America as being like the big games of the weekend. But I feel like the focus is definitely on Rayados, like you said, because Mohamed is back. And also just because, you know, you look at their position in the league table, you know, you look at the, the, the fact that they're in 14th place, that they have gone through three consecutive games without a win. And you look at that roster that they have and you think that there is no excuses for them not to be a playoff team. You wonder if Mohamed's going to be the kind of manager who can bring them back to not only being a playoff team, but a title contender. Because even a playoff team, I think that's still, even if they make it into fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth place, I still feel like that's that, that shouldn't be what they're aiming for. They should be a team that should be pushing for, for the title when you when you think about the, the talent that they have. So I think it's be kind of exciting to see what they're capable of doing once uh, once Mohamed takes, uh, takes the pitch this weekend. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it'll also be great to see how fans actually react to having him back at the stadium, seeing as though it's a home game for them. Um, that's going to be really interesting. Like Chivas, again, struggling. Luis Fernando Tena seeing... I mean, they have Alan Pulido as one of the top Mexican strikers yeah. right now, but it's 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 just not as much help as you'd think it would be at this point. Yeah, and then also keep an eye on uh, Pachuca versus Juarez. I know that's not exactly the most exciting game on paper but uh Pachuca uh they're definitely been uh, the most informed team and I know I'm saying that uh right after international break but they they have three wins in a row you know and they have uh it's four consecutive games without a loss so maybe there's something building there right uh, right there as well uh, when it comes to Pachuca and there's a Pachuca side that now has 26 goals uh in 12 games so there's a, a lot of excitement happening uh, up front for Pachuca so Maybe that's another team where down the line it looks like they could potentially, I'm not saying being a title contender, but maybe be a dark horse uh, for the title if they continue their momentum. But uh, uh, yeah, let's see some of the other games. Santos versus Cholos. Uh, that'll be this Friday. Cruz Azul, um, Morelia. Uh, that'll be another good one. Because I think that Morelia, um, they've had a, haven't exactly been that, that excited. They had like a few wins in a row, and then they ended up... Uh, having some recent losses. I think it was to Necaxa and also to Cholos um, that Morelia lost. And uh, Cruz Azul still trying to find 
their momentum as well, even though they got that w- that big win uh, over America. But uh, let's see who, what else we've missed here. Yeah, Sa- San Luis was um, Queretaro. Oh, Queretaro, yeah. Always yeah, got to keep an eye on Queretaro. I, st- I still don't... I still don't trust Greta. I still don't think that they're. I still don't <laughs> think that they're third good place. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's actually so weird when you look at the uh, like standings and you're like, first place Necaxa, second place Santos, third place Greta, and you're like, wait, am I looking at the like this like the correct standings? Is this Liga MX? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, you've got it's, 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 place. It's, I'm, I'm even amazed by that. <laughs> it's it's not even like this is week six or something. You know, yeah. it's like it's we're past the halfway point. <laughs> And like these I teams mean, are probably going to qualify for the playoffs, you know. Yeah, I mean, usually we think that play, uh, any team to make it to the playoffs has to have like 27, 28 points. I mean, Necaxa has twenty four. If they beat America, they're, they're in that playoff position already. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah, it's 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 kind of weird, also, because I mean, if you look at like eighth, ninth, tenth place, they're not that far away from each other either. I mean, yeah. even Monterrey, Monterrey is only is fourteen, and then you. Like with one victory, they can make it into like the playoffs. So I mean, they have 16 points. Pumas has 18, and they're six positions away. So it's I mean, I'm, I'm happy about that because it means that we're gonna have a really exciting end of the regular season. But it, it's it's odd when it's that close together. Yeah. And really quickly before we uh, close things out with Liga Mekis Femenil, I just wanna <laughs> I'm looking at so 538. Um, uh, I'm looking at their website right now. They have Liga Mekis predictions, which are always kind of fun to look at because they also have XG stats after games. It's kind of fun to look at their shot-based XG, non-shot XG. <laughs> but uh, um, they currently, so it says like, oh, 42% chance uh, for like a Puebla win or like 68% chance for a Pachuca win. Uh, they still have Veracruz for a 13% chance for beating Tigres. So I think they might need to update that uh, after what happened uh, <laughs> earlier today. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, yeah, troublesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Adriana, so uh, so just to close things out, what what should we look forward to this uh, this Liga Mekis uh, Femenil weekend? Yeah, I mean, again, looking into whatever happens with Veracruz women's team because they're also involved in all these lack of payments. So, um, oddly enough, they also face Tigres this weekend. That rarely happens, but it, it's yeah, it's it's happened before in the league, but um, it's really rare to see both the women and the men's side um, face the same rival. Um, we have at uh, Clásico Tapatío, we have Atlas versus Chivas. Really amazing game. I mean, tons of rivalry there. Atlas being really really consistent this season. Their fourth place. Chivas coming in fifth. Um, they had a terrible loss against Santos last week, so it'll be important to, for Chivas to get back on track, where it's going to be really difficult because, I mean, Atlas has been a really solid team, not only this season, but in past seasons as well. Uh, Monterrey versus Cruz Azul. I mean, you usually wouldn't say this. Uh, Monterrey, first place. I mean, total title contender. But Cruz Azul has had the most amazing season um, this tournament because... They even had, um, I think it was like a four-game, like street, like straight win victory, like four straight wins, and then they had four games where they didn't win, and now they started winning again. I mean, it, with with like three wins, it was like their best season already. So just to see them actually in ninth place right now, trying to get into those playoff positions, is really amazing for Cruz Azul. So I mean, I do think Monterrey will win, but I think Cruz Azul might actually surprise them a bit. Um, I mean, other games, it's just sad to say this, but hopefully Necaxa will win eventually. Um, last season, they got their first and only victory during the 17th game of the Oof. season. Oof, um, they, yeah, that hurts. I mean, they still haven't gotten one. They have two ties and 11 losses. So, 
I mean, terrible for Necaxa. They're facing Toluca. Um, Toluca also one of those teams that I, I expect to see in the postseason. So, I mean, still seeing kind of some regular teams all, um, with the league, but also really exciting to see Monterrey, Tigres, um, America, obviously Pachuca. So I think we're starting to see who those eight teams in the playoffs might be. But but I, I do expect maybe a couple of surprises sometime. All right. So definitely keep an eye on that, especially, like you said, Monterrey right now, because I'm looking at the league standings. I already have 33 points. But like you said, Cruz Azul could potentially make things interesting uh, this weekend. But uh, but yeah, Adrian, I think that's uh, that's about it. We actually we're at an hour fifteen, so I guess we gotta we gotta close things out. But uh, <laughs> but thank you, Adriana, uh, for for joining today's pod. Thank you to everybody uh, who listened to today's episode. Hopefully, uh, you enjoyed this episode. We were actually we had some troubles with scheduling on Monday, and then it was a little tough with like, but maybe doing something on Tuesday. But then we realized, you know, after after the international break we felt like we had to say something about the mexico games i felt like i definitely had some points to make about the nations league matches and i wasn't just going to tweet them out because then it would be the longest thread of all time so, I feel, <laughs> so, I'm, so i'm glad we're able to talk about this especially go over some of the stuff uh, regarding veracruz too because that was a uh, some important things to go through especially ahead of the league of weekend but uh, adriana thanks again any other final thoughts before we head out oh just tons of information and follow the hashtag cats who watch what was it <laughs> I think it's cats watching, uh, cats uh, watching Liga MX ENG. And if you're um, watching a feminine game, it's hashtag cats watching Liga MX Liga Femme, yeah, MX Femme ENG. And if you don't have a cat or you just want to talk regular Liga MX, please tweet out hashtag Liga MX ENG. That's our traditional hashtag. <laughs> I feel like for whatever reason, for whatever reason, I think people are probably going to use that last last hashtag much more than the other other two. But <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Adriana. Thanks again, and thanks for everyone for for listening to today's pod. We'll see you guys around. Bye.